now. Atena tato kato ehui maine itenera. Greetings to all of you who have gathered here today. Hi my and welcome to the Place Names Learns Fieldtrip Red Conference. And ko Andrew Tuku Ingoa, I'm the Learns Kaiarahi. Uh, just before we get underway with the web conference and meet our expert this morning, I'll begin with a karakia. Unahia te pō, te pō whiri marama. Tomakia te ao te ao whatitangata. Tātai ki runga, tātai ki raro, tātai ahorau. Mimi ye, huye, tai ki. So once again, hare mai, welcome, and a special warm welcome to our expert this morning, who is uh, Wendy. And Wendy, Wendy works for... Well, it's Toy to Tufino, a land information New Zealand, but it's also um, Napo Tonaha or Aotearoa, the New Zealand Geographic Board. But I'll let Wendy talk a bit about the work that she does. Hi, Wendy. Kia ora, kia ora. And I might start with my uh, pepeha, because uh, kids, you'll all be familiar with these. So, tēnā koto katoa. Uh, he aroha nui tōku ki taku whenua kainga rua ko pōneki, so great is my reverence for my embraced home, Wellington. Ko te whanganui atara te Moana, Wellington Harbour is the sea. Ko pukiatua te maunga, Wainui Amata Hill is the mountain. Ko te awa kairangi te awa, Hutt River is the river. Ko Wendy, tōku ingoa, Wendy is my name, he hekeri tari no nā pautaunaha o Aotearoa. I am the secretary for the New Zealand Geographic Board, tēnā tātou katoa. So what, is that, what does that mean, that I am the secretary for the New Zealand Geographic Board? Well, first of all, the New Zealand Geographic Board is a, a part of government that has been around for, in 2024, 100 years. Oh, wow. And yeah, so centenary celebrations next year. And what the role of the Geographic Board is, is to make place names official through a process that ensures we get the spelling right, that we are following good naming practice. So what that means is that the name's not naughty, um, that it's spelled correctly, that there's not lots of duplication. In other words, that there are 15 stony creeks around the country so that we don't cause confusion. And that we are naming after appropriate living or in Antarctica, we can name after living people, or in New Zealand, naming after appropriate people who've passed away. So what that process also includes from the Geographic Board's point of view is that it is consulting with the public of New Zealand on whether they think that the names, whether they're changes or new names, are appropriate. And we take into account all of the reasons that people give. When it comes to Māori place names, it's really important that we engage and consult with the local people 
mana whenua, tangata whenua of the place to make sure that we're getting their views taken into account in the process. So that is what the Geographic Board does in a nutshell. My role as the Secretary of the New Zealand Geographic Board, Napoto Naha or Aotearoa, and the Māori name for the board is, um, it actually means the memorial markers of the landscape. So that's talking about the place names. My job is to make sure that we follow the process that's set out in our legislation and that we make sure that the rules and guidelines that we have in place are followed uh, and that we, we make sure that we follow that process that's set out in the law so that um, so that we get to the a really good decision at the end that the board can um, make an informed decision about the place name proposals that are before it and then what that means is once they become official they then go on maps they go on road signs um, they get used by media news and weather reporting and then they get embedded in in the way we describe the landscape so that's me in a nutshell thanks andrew no thanks wendy you've effectively answered the first question <laughs> so that's great when you say in a nutshell um it certainly sounds like quite an involved process but you mentioned the public and consultation with the public can you talk a bit more about our role as the public in place naming? Sure. I think as a society, as people in general, as kids in the classroom, when you use place names, you do it automatically. You don't necessarily think about where it is, what it means, what's the history behind it, and why it's so important. But the place names where, the places where we grow up and the names given to the places in that area become really important to us. We identify with them and we have a, they have a very special place in our heart. So we know that in terms of um, the process for changing names, say if we're wanting to correct the spelling of a place name, a lot of people or the public or even um, iwi, hapu, marae, they don't necessarily want change to happen uh, because they're very familiar with the name that they've grown up with. So it's very important from the board's the board's job and my job is to make sure we explain why a change is occurring, why it's important to spell things correctly. Um, it honours the person that the place has been named after or it honours the event to ensure we get those places spelled correctly. Um, or where there might be a new name or a changed name, an outright change. I'll talk about new names for, for features or places that never have had a name. It's then important for the public and, and for the community, uh, the wider community, to have a say in what those names, 
those new names should be for that feature or place. And then when we talk about outright change, we're typically talking about names that might be inappropriate or offensive that we are changing because we don't want to reflect poor poorly on our society. And or we've got names like original Māori place names that we want to restore. I'll give you an example a few examples. So at the moment we are looking at a proposal to change the name of Russell in the Bay of Islands to its original Māori name Kororarika, which means sweet penguin. Now that is being publicly consulted. We've had around about two and a half thousand people, both the general public, government agencies, school children perhaps, who've engaged with the consultation program process they've said we object or we support and then what my job is and my team's job is to analyze that information categorize it and then present that to the geographic board who will meet on the 22nd of June and they'll make a decision actually we do think it should change or actually we think it should become a dual name. In other words, we'll have Kororarika and Russell. Or they think, no, there's too many objections. We agree with the objections. We don't think it will change. And what happens from then is that the decision will be recommended to our Minister for Land Information, who's Damien O'Connor, and he'll make the final decision based on the information in front of him. There's lots of other examples. Um, but well, I that, that's an interesting example, um, because I live in the Bay of Islands, or Te Pewharangi, and um, I've certainly heard Kororareka used a lot more over the last, you know, six to 12 months. I remember hearing it for the first time when I met someone and said Russell, and and that person said, well, that's the Pākehā name. <laughs> we know it as Kororareka, so I was I was corrected on that occasion. Um, so, and and it's interesting because you know, growing up, um, we visited Russell as kids, and you know, you talked about that idea of, I guess, you internalise names and they become. A part of you when because I'm now I'm from this place now I've been here for the last twelve years in the in the Bar of Islands and so it yeah people really yeah have those associations those connections with places and so and I and I guess it takes time to adjust to name changes but but that first sort of reaction might be we don't want change and we're sort of a bit like that aren't we people that um. Absolutely, but, but, yeah. But, but so, so how do, like, so, okay, I didn't, for instance, know that uh, Russell Kororareka was undergoing a proposal for a name change. So how do we, how we, did we find out about that? And, um, you know, is it, is it, was it publicly announced somewhere or? Yes, it was. It was, I was, I didn't... You didn't catch on to it. I well, it's a, that, that is a challenge for us in trying to reach as many people and particularly the local community about change. Um, we are required by law 
to notify in newspapers and national and on websites and in government websites is consultation pages. Um, we also do media releases and we do Facebook posts and boosters. Uh, typically for um, something like Kororanaka, we've had several media releases and they've been picked up by you know, other newspapers and what we call syndicated, so they've been reused. And so it did actually get quite widely publicised and there's been a lot of chat on our Facebook page, both for and against. Um, but it's un unfortunately we can't do a post, you know, a mail out to every household in, in a particular community to say this is happening. Uh, we're kind of constrained or restricted by the funds we have and how far we can reach. But the time frame for consultation on these proposals, where the board thinks it might be controversial, so that means where uh, people might get upset, then the time frame is typically three months, which is quite a lengthy period of time. So during that time, we'll do the boosters and we'll redo media releases. And we might, might might even be asked to do radio interviews, sometimes TV interviews. And so that's how we're hoping that the public of New Zealand and in particular the community affected will hear about the changes. Certainly for uh, Russell, Kororarika, the proposal came from the local marae and they themselves have been in the news quite a bit about the change as well and they've posted media releases as well and um, those um public submissions can you see what people are saying about that on your on the geographic board website no we keep it private partly uh, to preserve the privacy of individuals but also because we're still going through a process. So until the process has finished, which might end with the minister making the final decision, that information is confidential because what we don't want is people making comments on top of comments like, which is what happens with Facebook. Um, but I guess but, that's going to happen anyway, isn't it? So I'm sure if yes. I looked into Facebook, um, such as the you know the, the Kitty Kitty community um, Facebook page, there, yes. there must be some yes there's... discussions taking place. I don't look at Facebook myself, no. but I'm definitely going to go and um, yes. put my two cents worth into what I think yes. the name change should be. Anne's asked a question: Do like the local councils get involved in, in um, advising people about? Uh, yeah. submissions that they that there's a there's a, a discussion taking place or a decision going to be made yes especially where it's a uh, what we call a populated place so where people live it's really important that we hear the board hears what the council thinks of the change now in this case i think it's the far north district council they support the change um, so that is an action that the board takes before it will even consider or go out to public consultation what does the council think usually it wants their support but not in every case so um, there have been times when the council for instance Whanganui um, with the H 
um, at the time when the proposal came to the Geographic Board in 2008, I think it was, uh, the then Mayor vehemently objected to the spelling having an H, so changing from Whanganui to Whanganui. Um, and, but the board was very convinced that the correct spelling was with an H and so proceeded. So yes, the council's views are really important and typically the board won't proceed unless the council supports a change. In this case for uh, Russell Tukororaraka, they definitely support the change. So in terms of map making, there must be constant updates with with name changes throughout well, every year, I guess you, you must be changing names reasonably often. Uh, yes. Uh, the map, map updates nowadays, of course, it's mostly digital. And we, for the printed hard copy topographic maps that you see, uh, they, um, they, um, the print runs of those are far less than they used to be in the old days. So it used to be, you know, five years worth of printed maps stored that had to be sold before we'd print or produce another map. Nowadays, the digital version is available and, of course, they can be easily updated within three months of a change being made. Um, and in terms of the printed copy, it might be sort of 15, uh, sorry, 18 months to a couple of years before the next print run. But that's that's the normal course of maintenance updates in the same way that road signs aren't changed on a very regular basis because it's very expensive. So the, the expectation to have those updated are in the course of the normal normal maintenance that might happen by councils or waka kotahi to change those road signs. There's hey, there's an interesting questions come through uh, from sure. Jillian. I can't recall what school they was at. Chat. Ototara school. Um, so if a name is, I guess, deemed inappropriate or incorrect, decided to be changed, how did the place get that name to start with? A lot of, and this is actually in the videos, covered in the videos very well, that a lot of the overlaid, mostly European overlaid names or colonial names, if you like, there was no regulation around and rules that applied to how features and places were named. So people could call things anything they liked. And so we have a number of Mount Miseries around the place and and based on experience. So I'll give you not a very nice example from Canterbury, um, but it does illustrate the the social acceptance in the 1860s of particular place names. But now in 2023, it's definitely not acceptable. So the N word, I hope you all know what I mean. We had three features in Canterbury that had the N word names. And I think it was in 2016, this was brought to the board's attention that they were not appropriate and they needed to change. And so 
again, we went through the full consultation process. We consulted with Naitahu, and they came up with three Māori place names for flora, flora and fauna, and they went through the full statutory process. Uh, and even then, we did get objections to the change. Some people thought that the end names were fine and that they should they were a reflection of society at that time and therefore should remain. But that what that didn't hold sway with the New Zealand Geographic Board. So we have many um, inappropriate names, offensive names still in Aotearoa, New Zealand. The board. It's not really the board's role to necessarily identify them and change them itself. We rely on people identifying them, the public iwi identifying them and coming to us and saying, hey, this this doesn't seem right. We think it should have a, a, a better name. But or, it's interesting. Sorry, Wendy. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because not I, I know in particular some of those... Um, the the the, um, the flora example of the N word, um, but you know some names that we might not think anything of. It's really good to learn about why people do find those offensive, and sometimes we don't know what we don't know unless somebody explains. Well, the reason the reason why this group of people finds this name offensive is because, and then once we have that education. You know, we'll probably have a few more people on board with the name change. Um, Oro Toha School just wanted to know if it costs a lot of money to change a place name. And yeah. then they also had a question of how long does a place keep its name for? But I guess it's, <laughs> that will be a difficult question to ask. Probably both, probably. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, if I could just come back to what you were saying before, I think that's why the story that goes with the place name is really important. So if we understand about you know, why this place was named, where it com came from, how long it's been in place, what's the connection, then I think that we understand more and, and it has more weight. Uh, coming back to the question about um, how much money does it cost, well, it's very hard to give an exact figure on that. But I think we, we tried to at one point sort of analyse our salaries and the number of names we were changing. And we came up with a figure of about, I think it was about $800. It was not very much from our government, our processing perspective. We have to, it, it is a public service that we are providing. So this is something that the government thinks is important. So it is funded by the government to make sure that we follow good naming practice in New Zealand. And by the way, there is a UN body who sets guidance on making sure that countries follow good naming practice. So it's an it's a an obligation that we have as a as a nation to make sure we do this properly. So it is funded. Uh, there are costs beyond the geographic board by councils, for instance, who have to update their signs. But as I said before, we don't expect them to do it straight away. They might just do it in the normal course of maintenance upgrades. Um, then there's costs as to mapping and charts and things like that. But as I said, also, most of that is just digital. So it's, it's a time component on 
regular maintenance that a lot of councils and government agencies are doing anyway. So, it, it, yeah, it's, it is hard to quantify. Um, and a lot of people, when they are objecting to the changes or new names or complete change, they are saying, this is a waste of money. Why is the government spending money on this when it sh there are other priorities? But from a, a, a sort of a social, cultural heritage connection point of view, it's very important for our nation building to ensure we do this properly. Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that you've got, what did you say, two and a half thousand submissions already for the name change Kororari, that sounds to me like it is important. So um, I, I probably another difficult question to, or an answer to quantify was how, how long a place yes, sure. name for. Yeah, I mean, when, when the name is is given, an official name is given, we often use the word enduring. So it's robust decision-making that endures through time. But as, as social society changes, as our thinking changes, as we become more open to diversity and inclusion, gender balance, all those influences that affect our society, there is sometimes cause to look at some of these names that we've got and consider should they be changed. I'll give you um, some examples in a minute, but the other, the other part of that, of course, too, is our revitalisation of the Te Reo Māori through the country and we've within our legislation have a specific function to encourage the use of original Māori place names. So that is something that the board is required to do by law. And so that's also something that um, often has an effect on changing existing overlaid, let's call them colonial or European place names. So when when the board is making a decision on a place name, it's really trying to do it for a very long period of time. But there are occasions where we have like these alternative names or dual names where we're saying, or the board is saying, these names have equal significance and they might be needed for emergency response to retain the European name. And so therefore where the board is saying, let's hold on to both of those names, but perhaps over time, one or other might take precedence and we can start thinking about dropping the other one. So the yeah, well, it's, it's quite a mouthful at times saying both of them. Yes. And um, I'm finding myself more and more, for instance, I might just say to Waipaunami instead of adding on South Island or Aoraki. Yes. is much easier to say than Aoraki, Mount Cook. <laughs> yes, and I so, think that, that's a natural, possible, possibly a natural progression um, for people to move to one or the other. And I was just going to give the example of Mount Egmont or Mount Taranaki, uh, 1984. Those alternative names were assigned by the board. And now uh, the Taranaki Maunga uh, Treaty Settlement Collective uh, proposing that it just become Taranaki Maunga. So that's 30 plus years 
however long, if my maths is right, more than that. Um, but when the, to answer the question, how long does a place keep the name for, in that case, that's transition from one to another. One other example, if I can give, if you all know um, Ayers Rock in Australia, about 15 years ago, it got dual named Ayers Rock Uluru. Then about five years, five to 10 years later after that, they changed the order to Uluru Ayers Rock, and now it's just Uluru. So that was a sort of a story of restoring an original Aboriginal name, but over time so people could get used to it and adopt the, the, the original name. And Shane, on yesterday's web conference, excuse me, also spoke about names, original names that changed um, to other Māori place names. So even within the context of pre-European arrival, um, there were name changes. Um, and just, just so there's a question from Anne, and then we've sort of run out of time, really, and I, I'd just like to know um, a couple of things about what our Akonga can do back in the classroom. Sure. Um, but so Anne just asked the question uh, about inappropriate names possibly being um, named after people who caused harm in the area. Yes, yes, we, we certainly have had examples of that. And um, perhaps it's a little bit harder to change some of those names. Um, I'll give you an example of it, a name in Antarctica, or, and it was very re recent. It was Marshall Glacier, so you can look that up in the Gazetteer, because it's still there, even though it's been replaced, all of these changed names have been um, are still able to be discovered in the gazetteer. So Marshall Guest, Glacier, the, the chap, um, he was a university professor in the United States and he was discovered to um, be behaving inappropriately with his students and so we changed that name. Um, we've got We've got some examples, if you're familiar with the um, Black Lives Matter movement that started in the United States a few years back, and one of the calls through that movement was to remove the names of place names for people of the past known to be active in the slavery um, in slavery. So we've had calls in New Zealand to change a few of those place names and um, I've got examples of some of those. Um, we've got uh, Fovo Strait, for instance, um, down between Bluff and um, Rakiura Stewart Island. Um, Fovo was known to be a very cruel uh, superintendent of a prison in, I think it was Sydney, somewhere in Australia, might have been Tasmania, and um, he was particularly cruel to um, those that were in his, under his ward, those that he were look, was looking after. And so there's been calls like that to change those names, and certainly the, the Geographic Board would look at those proposals, but none have actually been actively made yet to the Geographic Board to change those. So just before we tie things up for this morning, Wendy, what are some of the best ways that um, our Akonga 
here this morning listening can find out more about place names of New Zealand or Aotearoa. Sure. And um, Barry, can you just answer that question from Centennial? I thank you. <laughs> I in the um video material that's on the virtual field trip, there is one video on some of the resources that we have. So there are two books. So this is the Māori Oral History Atlas, and there is another little handbook that goes with it about Māori place names. Both of those are digitally scanned on the Geographic or the New Zealand Geographic Board's website. Yeah, um, and, and those are the, linked. Yeah, we've got links. Yeah, those, to those are linked to in yep. the um the Google yep. Earth website. We've we've also alluded to some maps that every single classroom, sorry, every single school will be getting a set of these maps of Te Eka Amaui and Te Waiponamu. And they've got around about 900 names, original Māori place names on each of those. And on the back of each of those maps, as well as digitally, is a list of all of the names and the stories that go with them and then the current modern name of those places. We've also talked about the gazetteer. So it's a bit of a funny word. It comes from the word gazette. But what it means is it's a it's a database, searchable database online that you can look up a place name and then you can find if we have it, the story that goes with it. So what, what I would encourage kids to do is, you know, obviously go through the, the video material and and go through the quiz information, find out about the places in your area that, you know, any any whether it's a Māori name or a non an English name, European name, and see if you can find the history about that place. And then I think it will become more meaningful to you. And you may indeed find, actually, this name is spelt incorrectly, and then you might want to put a proposal to the New Zealand Geographic Board as a classroom. And we've had that happen before from a number of um, classrooms for naming, Sounds exciting. And for of naming course streams. And and Shane um, Otomako, as as he also calls himself, um, said yesterday that if you've got, um, you know, access to local Komatua, they're really interesting to talk to as well about place names and stories behind place names. So we'll we'll leave it there. But Wendy's given us some great ideas to go on and continue the conversation, continue your um, inquiries into place names, and like she said, starting within your own area can be. Um, really interesting and even the names of streets can be interesting and to find out about you know um, the people behind those names and and that sort of thing so look it's just been fascinating listening to you Wendy you certainly know a lot about this topic and uh, we really appreciate your time this morning so um, Barry's just put up in the chat that these recordings will be processed Yesterday's and to this morning's web conferences will be uh, processed and available tomorrow. And those schools who have signed up uh, to the field trip will get an email notification about that. So um, as you can rewind your learning, as they say. But um, in the meantime, we will let you all go. But just before we do, I think you should all unmute and say a big thank you and goodbye to Wendy. Uh, Go. 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 Go.
Thanks, everybody. Nami Nui, Kakiti Ono. Have a great day. Matewa. Kia ora.